My name is Roger Ross, and it's my privilege to be here for the second time in this service, although I've been here for the last 45, I mean, last four weeks uh, at uh, Salem, and it's been uh, a real privilege to get to know some people and uh, to spend some time with you. Uh, thank you uh, for inviting me. Uh, thank you to Terry, who's not here now, but uh, is hopefully getting some good rest in over the course of uh, her sabbatical, which I think is awesome. Uh, some of you may not know this, but I am the director of Congregational Excellence. I just met Elizabeth here a moment ago, and she said, do you drive over from Columbia every week for this? I said, well, yes, of course I do. I don't stay here during the week. I've got a job like, like most of you do, kind of a regular job. Uh, my regular job is to help start new churches and to transform existing churches across the state of Missouri. That's my job. So I am on the road a lot, and uh, I travel from place to place uh, to uh, help uh, various churches and and get some new things started, uh, starting new places for new people. And you may have received something, did you get one of these in your bulletin when you came in? Something looks like this. Uh, if you take that out for a minute, this is a, uh, a prayer team uh, that I started, uh, oh, about a year and a half ago, uh, to invite people to pray for God's work to be done uh, so that we could see new churches started, new places for new people, as well as uh, see existing churches transformed across the state. There are about 800 United Methodist churches in the state of Missouri. Uh, and they're in various uh, kind of levels of uh, transformation. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of my job. Uh, I go around to, I don't see all 800 of them, obviously, but I go around to lots of different churches to help them to be as effective and as vital as they can be. And that's a great job. Um, I used to be a real pastor uh, and served in uh, churches in Illinois for about 30 years, and now I have the privilege of doing this. And if you would be interested in being on this prayer team, I'll send you a monthly update uh, that will help you kind of know what to pray for and a little teaching on prayer. Uh, and it'll come by snail mail or email, whatever works best for you. Uh, there are no meetings, hallelujah, all right? Nobody has to come to a meeting for this. You just pray where you are each day uh, that God would shed his grace in such a way that we could start new places for new people, new churches, and transform existing churches all across the state. So if you want to fill that out and uh, give that to, to Tim or Sean or me or just uh, kind of throw it over there into the church office, that would be great, and I'll get a hold of it and send you something probably next week. That'd be awesome. I also want to mention uh, that my wife, Leanne, and my daughter, Jane, are here with me today, first time in the, the four weeks. So wave, yay, there they are. Kind of excited about them being here. And I was going to take a selfie. I left my phone in the other room. Has somebody got a, got a phone that I could use for this? Because, uh, like, this is kind of fun for me. All right, go. got it? All good? All right, so everybody going to smile? All right, let's see. Let's get it this way. There we go. I'll get one this way. And this way. All right, big smile. Awesome, thank you. <clears throat> You'll all be on Facebook sometime. All right, <clears throat> let's pray. Lord, we want to ask that you would open our hearts to the inspiration and work of your Holy Spirit, uh, that you'd use these humble words offered now to accomplish your holy purpose, uh, that you would be a good and gracious God in our midst and reveal to us those things that you want us to know. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask, has anyone here ever fallen, and at least for a few moments, you couldn't get back up? Just raise your hand if that's ever happened to you, all right? Uh, quite a few. Uh, that certainly happened to me. Uh, back in high school, I was a wrestler, uh, and in one match, uh, I, I stood up to try to escape from a guy, uh, and I hadn't quite caught my balance, and so he took my hands like this and then slammed me down the mat. And I didn't have anything to catch my fall except for my head. 
which actually usually is a pretty good thing because I've got a pretty hard head. But uh, this time, not so good. I ended up getting a concussion and just laid there limp on the mat. I had fallen, and I couldn't get up. Now, this was well before those cheesy commercials that came out in the late 80s of this elderly woman, you know, who, who uh, turned those words into a cultural catchphrase. I've fallen, and I can't get up. Now, I don't know what it is about that that makes people want to chuckle, but those commercials were never meant to be humorous. You know, <laughs> it's, it's usually not funny uh, when someone falls and can't get up. I mean, it's, it's like painful and scary, but for some reason, maybe it's because people like slapstick humor, I don't know, uh, but there have been thousands of parodies on those commercials. In fact, I was going to show one of them today off YouTube, but when I was reviewing them, I thought, oh, these are so bad. I just can't do it. I can't go there. So uh, maybe that phrase has hung around in our culture for so long because sooner or later, everyone has a fall from which they cannot get up on their own. Now, of course, all falls aren't physical, some of you have had a job loss that you didn't see coming or a sudden health scare. Maybe you've had a breakup in a relationship or some kind of financial problem that's keeping you up at nights. Uh, perhaps you've had the loss of someone close to you and everything has just gone dark in your life. I mean, each of these are pretty hard falls that can take you down head first and leave you lying on a mat limp. Now, if falls are a given in life, is there any way to prepare ourselves? I, I think there is, but one of the tough things uh, that you need to know about falls is they come when you least expect them. Right? We, we're all uh, experienced in having little stumbles momentarily trip us from uh, day to day in our experience, but I'm not really talking about those. I'm, I'm referring to the serious falls that just lay people flat out. That's what happened to Jesus' friend. Uh, Jesus and his disciples had gone a day's journey south of Jerusalem, while, and while he was teaching and healing people there, he got word from his dear friends, Martha and Mary, Lord, the one you love is sick. They were referring to their brother, Lazarus. Now, the three of them, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, all lived in Bethany, a little less than two miles from Jerusalem, if you look at it on a map. Uh, Jesus had stopped at their house many times as, as a respite from his ministry. He loved this family. He counted Lazarus as one of his close friends. But stunningly, Jesus gets this news and doesn't budge an inch. He stays right where he was for two more days. All the while, the clock is ticking on his friend's last hours. Now, when they finally get to Bethany, Jesus discovers that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days, and he receives this rather chilly reception from Martha. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you can understand this. Martha had seen Jesus heal all kinds of people he didn't know. Why wouldn't Jesus heal someone who is almost like family? And this is a classic trait of a fall, by the way. Uh, they bring knee-jerk reactions in our lives. We immediately start thinking about how it could have been, what, how it should have been. Uh, we, we, you know, we say things like, well, if he could have just avoided being out that night, 
or if she had not been in that place by herself, or if we could have gotten him to the emergency room a little faster, it all would have turned out differently. And I'm guessing you have played loops like those in your head when a fall of some kind has come your way. I know I have. But it's not that Jesus doesn't care in this situation. I mean, when he goes to the tomb, he was so moved by the loss of his friend, his reaction is recorded in Scripture with two words. Jesus wept. 11.35. John 11.35, shortest verse in the Bible. Those two words speak volumes about Jesus' love for his friend Lazarus. And the people around the tomb could see how heartbroken he was. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You know, everybody was thinking it. You know what, if he loved Martha and Mary and, and particularly Lazarus so much, why didn't Jesus heal him? Why the two-day delay? And this is the part about falls that most people miss. When you have a painful fall that leaves you limp, uh, that brings all kinds of knee-jerk reactions about what could have or what should have happened. But most of us miss that a fall may have a larger purpose. You know, falls have a way of moving us in a spiritual direction if we will let them. Let me ask you, what would need to happen in your life to motivate you to pray? Have you thought about that? You know, I heard about a pastor and a bus driver that went to heaven. The bus driver got this big, beautiful mansion up in the sky, large rooms. It was wonderful. The pastor got a little one-room bungalow off to the side. and He got kind of miffed about the whole thing. He went to St. Peter and said, now, how come I get this dinky little place off the side and that bus driver gets this great big palatial mansion? You know, I preached the gospel my whole life. And St. Peter said, well, when you preached, people fell asleep. But when that bus driver drove, people prayed. (laughs) Now, what would motivate you to pray? Uh, What if you suddenly find out that your rock star boyfriend or girlfriend is cheating on you? Or if your doctor looks at you square in the eyes with an ashen look in his face to say, it's cancer. Or if market forces or tariffs on China suddenly cause a major downturn in your company that threatens your future. Here's what might happen. It could move you toward God and motivate you to pray. You know, someone from this congregation has an amazing story of how this happened in her life. Let's take a look. I don't remember hardly anything about 2017 and some of 2016. I remember my friend's 40th birthday in November of 2017. Not much about it, just um, that I was there. And my best friend told me that um, I had told him that I wasn't feeling good then. and. I never really felt better. I just didn't feel like eating. 
and I just generally didn't feel well for months. I called my parents, um, I guess it was, I think February 15th of 2018, and said, you know, I really, really, really don't feel good. And so they took me to the ER. I had a mild case of pneumonia at that point. And so they admitted me. I went sort of semi-unresponsive about six days into it. And the nurse said she just had a really bad feeling and they did another chest x-ray. And basically, um, my entire lungs were filled with pneumonia except for a few small patches. My pneumonia was so bad they had to induce a coma and then I had severe sepsis. And I think it was February 25th. Um, Terry was there even before then, I think. The doctor said that I wasn't gonna make it and they brought in hospice and Terry came and my parents and um, basically they said, you know, plan her services. That was um, a really hard day for my family. Apparently I started to get better and later that week they said maybe I had a 50-50 shot. And then I remember um, Dr. Puyos was there and um, for one of the times when I was slightly conscious and he said, you know, like, I don't know if he really said it, but he's like, you know, God's with you. And he told me who he was, so I knew who he was. And um, so I just felt really safe. I did know people were praying for me um, from the time Dr. Puyos, and he said that people were praying for me. So I knew at that point and I found out the March Banks were in Israel and they put my name in the Wailing Wall. And I have a friend um, that I went to high school with who is Orthodox Jewish and he moved to Israel. All he does is go and pray most of the day. And so I knew that there were rabbis and uh, congregations of Orthodox Jews all over Israel praying for me and I knew our church was praying for me, and I heard that B.B. Um, Winans prayed over the phone in my ear while I was in the coma, and I heard that he had a concert and that he asked everybody that was at the concert to pray for me. So I, I was really overwhelmed, and I've never believed in the power of prayer the way that I do now, and I honestly believe um, you know, it's free will. It's not necessarily God that saved me because um, we're not puppets. God doesn't, you know, say, this person, it's their time to die or they're gonna live. It's people prayed for me and I believe that because of prayer, God gave the doctors the ability, you know, to do what they needed to do to take care of me. And I think that's what people were praying for, you know, that they wanted me to survive or that they wanted me to, whatever was gonna happen, not suffer. And um, so 
the power prayer may be what have brought me through. My name is Kristen Seal Williamson, and this is my resurrection story. You talk about a powerful story. Wow. You know, 15 months ago, her, her doctor said, I don't think she's going to make it. You better start planning her service. You know, Kristen had fallen, and she couldn't get up. Not her own power. That motivated thousands of people to start praying. And today, Christians are very much alive, as you can see, not just physically, but also spiritually. Uh, it changed the way that she saw prayer and also the power of God at work in her lives and her life. And this is uh, exactly what the second part of a fall's larger purpose is. It's not just to move me closer to God, uh, but to move me to see things from God's perspective. I mean, let's go back to Jesus' two-day delay. Right? What's up with that? Why does he not go back immediately to heal his friend? It's because Jesus knows God's ultimate purpose for Lazarus' illness. Jesus' goal was not to heal the sick in that situation. It was to raise the dead. He, look at what he says uh, when the news reaches him about Lazarus. Uh, he says, uh, this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. I mean, Jesus could have healed Lazarus without ever going there. Now, he'd healed many people from a distance in other times. But there was a larger purpose in Lazarus' illness, just as there was a larger purpose in Kristen's illness. And in both cases, it was to lead people to believe in the power of God to bring death and bring life out of death through his son. These are resurrection stories. I mean, please hear me when I say this. I, I, I'm not saying that God caused Kristen's illness any more than God caused Lazarus' illness. But God could certainly use each of them for his glory, and God did. But for us to get this on a personal level, it involves taking in one more aspect of a fall's larger purpose. It, it can move me toward God, for sure. It, it can move me to see God's perspective, no doubt. But it can also move me to trust. Now, when Martha said, Lord, if you would have been here, Jesus assured her, you know what, your brother's going to rise uh, again. And Martha says, you know, I, I know that. I know that he'll rise again on the resurrection at the last day. That doesn't help us now, though. And in her deep grief, she wasn't getting it. She couldn't see how God's larger purpose for her brother's death was going to work its way out with Jesus right in front of her. I mean, who wouldn't struggle with something like that in the face of the death of a loved one? But Jesus looks her right in the eye and says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And loved ones, this is the crux of the entire passage. This is what it's driving at. This is what Jesus wants to know. You know, it's not a hypothetical question. He wants an answer. Do you believe this? He wants an answer from Martha. He wants an answer from you and me. Do you believe this? Now, there are two different kinds of belief. One is assent. 
right? It's just mentally agreeing with the statement. Yes, the grass is green, the sky is blue, God is good. Yep, I agree with all that. But that's not what Jesus is asking. He wants to know, will you trust me with your life? This is the level of belief that Jesus is after. You can give mental assent all day and into the night and never allow the resurrection power of Jesus to touch your life. I mean, this is an issue of trust, and I love Martha's response. It's so powerful. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is to come. And that's exactly what the author of John's Gospel hopes everyone will do. That's his witness to them. To trust uh, that, that each of us would trust our very lives and our loved ones into the hands of Jesus. Now, maybe you are in some level of fall uh, in your life right now, and you're, you're trying to get back to your feet after what happened with this person or that problem or, or this loss or that particular situation, and it just doesn't feel like you can. You keep saying, dear Jesus, <laughs> I don't want this. I, oh, can, can you please take this away from me? Can't you change it? Can't you fix it? Just get rid of it. And those are all good questions, honest questions. But perhaps Jesus is trying to help you to see a larger purpose in this fall that has come your way. Maybe it's not a painful interruption to your peaceful life. Maybe it's an opportunity to trust, to trust Jesus as the very Son of God for you. Now, what you're going through right now may, in fact, be a test. In fact, it could be the most important test of your life. But this is not like the kind of test that you took in school or that you're taking in school. This is not a test of what you know. It's a test of who you are. It's a test of your character. This really hard fall could be Jesus' invitation to weed out the false gods in your life, those things that you have depended on instead of the one true God, such as yourself, your intellect, you know, your abilities, your looks, your personality, your family, your friends, your money, your connections, your deepest desires. You know, none of these things have been able to save you from what you are facing right now. And as much as you tried to marshal all of the forces that you have before you, to solve this thing, to, to control it, to fix it. You can't. You can't get up. It's beyond your power. Could there be a reason for that? I mean, you may have prayed a hundred times, God, just take this hurt. Take, take this, this loss. Take this weakness out of my life. And certainly God could. But you know what? God may choose not to do that. Because the truth is, God may have a larger purpose for this fall that you least expected and never wanted. 
It could be that God has you right where he wants you. Because it gives God an opportunity to do some inner work on your character if you will allow it. God can use a painful fall to winnow out the dead branches of sin and selfishness in our lives so that the very glory of God can shine through us in ways that otherwise would never have happened. Lazarus' body had been in a cave uh, with a large stone rolled in front of it. And after Jesus wept for his friend, he said, take that stone away. Now, this freaked out Martha. You know, Lord, by this time, there's going to be a bad odor because he's been dead in there for four days. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, if you trust, you will see the glory of God? So he looks up and he prays, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people who are standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he says, Lazarus, come out. And this man who had fallen and could not get up comes out. His hands and feet are bound by grave clothes. He's got a cloth over his face. Jesus sees him and says, take those clothes, take those grave clothes off of him. Let this man go. Now, I don't know what kind of fall may have come your way or what may come in the not too distant future. But here's what I'd like for you to consider. Is it possible that there's a larger purpose at work in your life right now? That in fact, that this is an opportunity in disguise to trust the resurrection power in your life when you can't get back up on your own for Jesus to bring new life to you. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you to use whatever fall we may be in right now or may be coming our way to move us toward you and not away from you. To move us to see things from your perspective and, and to trust the resurrection power of Jesus even in our lives. We ask it in his name. Amen.